This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus' name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. We're in Genesis chapter 28. We're finishing out the chapter today. We're dealing with Jacob. Jacob is having his first real spiritual experience, his first real time where he he comes and meets with God. God gives him his promises. We already saw yesterday where God is, uh, is giving him not only his promises, but shows him a vision. He gives him a vision of angels coming down a ladder from heaven, and it is what in every way we would describe as a conversion experience or experience where a person realizes that there's God and God's actively at work and they hear God's word, they hear God's voice, they hear his promises. It is in every way as we study God's word, it is in every way a a revelation of who God is and how his promises are at work continually. And I love it because it is the initial, it's that initial time where this new believer, and you could easily say he's a new believer if you look at his life and the fruit of his life. He's been a thief and a liar. He's been someone who has snuck around and sneaking and stealing and sneaking and working his own will and his own way out. He's He's deceived his brother. He's basically worked a terrible deal. He's misused his brother, knowing his brother's personality and knowing his brother's inadequacies and the things that make his brother not who his brother should be. He used that to his own advantage. And he's uh, in every possible way, as you look at his life, you say to yourself, there is an issue here. There's a problem here. And that problem is that that he's living his life in such a way that it's outside of the will of God. And then God shows up on his way as he's on his way to Laban's house, as he's being in a mini exile, and it is going to end up being a long exile, as he's being exiled away and sent off to some other place. As that's going on, he is he's he's just struggling. And it says, and when God shows up, he is excited, and there's a great joy, there's great hope, there's great life there, and it's a good story, it's a great story. It says, then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place, and I didn't know it. Now, that is of the lines in this passage, that is the most revealing line, and what he's saying is that he didn't realize that God was there. Now, he's going to think that only God is where he is right now. He's going to rename the place. He's going to do a lot of things like that, that a new believer will do. And that there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, but I do want you to see that it is a very limited view of God. And that limited view of God can, and not necessarily in this situation, but in other situations, can cause you to miss out on God's will if you don't grow in your view of God. 
in your understanding of God. Notice what he said. He said, Jacob awoke from his sleep and he said, man, God is here. I've met with God. And I'm sure he'd heard about his grandfather, Abraham, and all the times God had spoke to him. And I'm quite sure he'd heard about Jacob and all the times Jacob had spoke to him. And so it was just one of those, uh, it was one of those days, one of those times where it was just God was in the place and he was fired up about it. He says, it says, and he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? And there's a holy fear there. You even see that as what he, as he's saying what he's saying. There's a holy fear there. There's, there's trepidation. What, wow, what am I going to do? This is a wonderful place to be. And for me, I can remember that going on. I can remember that happening in my own life. I can remember at times where a God showed up and he began to speak to my heart and he began to, I began to realize that he had a plan and a purpose for me. And I can remember thinking that as a teenager and a young adult and beginning to see God's plan at work in my life and beginning to see God's purposes at work in my life. And just as you just march through your life, you see God in new and different ways. He's exciting. It's exciting to see God in those ways. And there's a holy fear. And you begin to associate God with a location. But the problem is that God's not the God of a location or he's not. And sure, he pours out his spirit in situations and he pours out his spirit at certain times and certain seasons. Absolutely, that goes on. But he's not the God of a singular place. And so you don't have to grab hold to the movement of God in the past because if you grab hold to it too hard, you'll miss out on the movement of God in the future. God is a God of moment and the hour, and he's also the God, he's also the God of the future and the things that are going on ahead of us. And if you spend your life, if you spend your life trying to recreate what God has done in the past, you miss out on what God's planning to do and prepared to do for the future. And that happens regularly. That's a life, that's a life happening. That's something that really goes on a regular basis. People many times get stagnant and stale where God moved for them originally, and they never ever move on to the new things. And God, God's got a new song for you each and every day. His mercies are new every morning. He has different purposes and different things for you to do. Remember, what we're on as far as God's concerned is a path. We're on, we're on the way and we don't not to stand in the way. We're not to sit in the way, but we're to journey with him through. And the only way for us to journey through life is for us to experience God moving in new ways and in different ways and in different places. And it's required. It's, it's, it's required for maturity. Now I'm not, like I said, this is Jacob's, this is Jacob's wake up call. It's his conversion experience. It's the time where he, I'm a part of God's plan also. I've, God has revealed to me his promises. Now, his, but his path is going to be a great path. It's going to be, it's, and it's going to be a difficult path. And for him, he just is celebrating right here. But I do want to warn as we celebrate God and God revealing himself, God has a lot more for you than just the initial revelation of his will and his way in your life. He's got a lot more prepared for you. And you need to know that. Celebrate when God moves in big ways. Celebrate when you experience him in wonderful ways. But do realize that that he's not just in that place, although for Jacob, that's the only place he's known God. So that's all he knows for God. He says at the end of verse 17, this is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. For him, it is, yes. But for life itself, no. 
It's not the house of God. In fact, if you read in the book of Psalms, and we went through that a year ago or so, that the heavens are where God is, and God's the earth is God's footstool, and we're a part of a greater, bigger purpose than this. And so it said, then J Jacob arose early in the morning, and he took the stone that he had put at his head. Notice he, he was sleeping when he had this revelation from God. He had a dream, a vision of God, and he saw God in a new and different way. And that does happen. That's, a, that's, a, that's quite clear, clearly spelled out. In scripture, we have dreams and we have visions and then we have times of revelation along the road and where God just really comes into your face. The, the apostle Paul, when he was Saul and he was going to Damascus to persecute the Christians, he met with God face to face. Those opportunities and those things happen in different unique ways for every individual. And when this happened for, and when this happened for Jacob, he, he, he did what most people do. He got excited. And he's going to he's going to begin to make, and I'm going to say this in not a in not a too harsh a way. He's going to begin to idolize the things that were around when that happened. And you do that. You want to keep memories. And in the Old Testament, the Bible does teach us to make standing stones. And those standing stones, whenever God moved, they would make an altar and they would stand stones up, dig a hole in the ground and stand them up straight. And those were places to remember where God has moved. And you know, that is an important principle in life. When God moves in your life, when God opens doors in your life, when God's at work in your life, the stones get stood up and you want to remember those times. And oftentimes as you move on in life, and you, you come across a situation that's similar, many times you forget what God did. You just forget how he moved, and God takes you back to that standing stone and says, remember, when I did this in your life, I can do the same today. And, and oftentimes God will loop us back and take us through an experience that's very similar to the past to strengthen our faith that he bore, that he bore back in the day, back way back where I was, I'm the God of this, and he's reminding you, and in fact, taking you through that so that you'll remember that he is the God of this situation and that event and this occurrence. And that's who God is. It's a wonderful thing. And he's going to take this, uh, he's going to take rock that he had his head on, and he set it up as a pillar and poured oil on it, on the top of it. And that's really the picture of making a standing stone. It's he, he, when you think of a rock, you think of the size of pillars that you have. What he did was he laid on the ground and put his head on this pretty big rock as to to use it as a pillow. And when he got up, he realized that God was in this place. And so he flipped that rock up on its end and dug a hole in the ground so it would stand straight up. And he poured oil on it. And oil is always a picture of the power of the Holy Spirit. That is, when you're dealing with liquids, the water is a picture of the cleansing of the Holy Spirit. Wine is a picture of the goodness of the Holy Spirit. And oil is a picture of the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, he poured oil on it because he realized God was a God of power. And God actually moved and worked in his life. And it excited him. It excited him for what he had and the purposes he had for the future. And it said he called on the name of the place Bethel, which means house of God. But the name of the place had been Luz, but now it's going to be Bethel. And it's going to be an important place in Israel. It's going to be, you're going to see it pop up here and there. Events will happen there. It is a, it is an important place of remembrance. And, it, and what are we remembering at that place? We're remembering that God's a God who continues to keep his promises 
though generations, God's promises remain. And that is an important principle to understand. The, th- the promises of God for our ancestors are the same as they are t- for us today. And understanding that, knowing that is good. Your experiencing of them is going to be unique and your experiencing of them is going to be new for you. But they're not new in the sense that God's promises you own all the time for us. And learning how to trust God in those things requires that you realize that God is a continual God of his promises, that you can trust him because he's not going to make a promise and then not keep a promise. He's not a man that he should lie. He's going to continue to give you his promises. It says he named that city Bethel, that place Bethel, called House of God. So every time I want you to always think House of God, because I think that's a neat name. There's lots of ministries named that way. There's lots of churches that are named Bethel. A very appropriate name, House of God, if you're going to name a church, name it, naming it Bethel is a really good name to name it. I love it. We made fun of Sardis last night. Why don't we, uh, why don't we tonight really, this morning, really focus in and say Bethel is a great name. And so I, every time I pass by anything that says Bethel, my mind just thinks house of God. It says, then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me, now notice there's this ifs and he's making, putting conditions on his faith. And that's always been the case. And that's part of his character. Remember, he's a thief and a liar. And so he's always trying to work the angle. He's always trying to make the deal. And when you're always trying to make the deal, there's not much of a deal with God. God is God's way or no way. That's the way God works. And so he says, he says, then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and keep me in this way, then I'm going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. That's just not really good right there. Just being straightforward. That's He's making a deal with God. He's saying, God, if you take care of me, if you'll feed me, if you'll clothe me, if you'll bring me back to where I want to be, then I will worship you. He's going to learn better than that later on. Life's going to take him on a journey where he's going to figure out that you don't put conditions on your relationship with God that was unconditional in his love toward you. He was unconditional in his atonement for you. And he was unconditional in his sacrifice of hope and life for you. And we can't just say, if you take me and do the things I want, then you're going to be my God. Jacob's got a lot of growing to do. He's met with God for the first time, really. He's really realized that God is real and God has a purpose for him, but he's also going to continue to place conditions on God. And those conditions, God's going to eventually break because there is no condition with God. That the old hymn, I surrender all, yeah, it really means that you surrender all. He, Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you must take up your cross and follow me. And you can't make deals with God. That's not the way it works. God has made a great deal for you. It's the best deal ever. It's a wonderful deal. It's a powerful deal. It's a great deal. I don't go to hell. I don't get separated from him. I receive life. I receive purpose. I receive joy. I receive peace. And all I have to do is give him everything. And you go, that that's a pretty big price. Not really. My everything's really nothing. His everything's really every really. My everything is nothing. His everything is actually everything. And so why not? Why not take his deal. It's a great deal. I get Jesus. I get the Father. I get the Holy Spirit. I get life. I get it all. And all I have to do is really submit myself to his will because mine's not really gotten me anywhere. It's never really worked out ultimately. And in the spiritual realm, it has no value at all. So why would I ever take me over him? I wouldn't. And I wouldn't also put conditions on it. 
Although we always do in our own heart and mind, don't we? We always are trying to figure out how to put a condition on God. And really, that's an effort to manipulate God to your will and your way. And it just never really works. Don't do it. Don't try to do it. Quit trying to do it if you are trying to do it. It's a normal it's the normal thing human beings do, but it's not good, and it does not help you in your walk with God. He says, and this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house. He's saying, I'm going to come back to this place, and I'm going to hold you to the deal, God. Really, that's what he's saying, if you really think about it. I'm going to hold you to the deal. But God's going to hold him to the deal. God's about to take him on a long path. He's going to learn a lot in that path, and ultimately... It's going to come about for his great purpose and his great hope for the future. It says, he says, and of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. And that's that shows you really where his heart is. So many times we get caught up on tithing and we get caught up on exactly how much should I give God so God will be okay with me. I always go at it from the proper New Testament biblical principle because if you're going to go go on it through some kind of method of counting pennies to God, what you're doing is you're trying to live by the law. That's called legalism and it doesn't work. I follow the New Testament and that is all of everything that I have is God's. And so I try to give generously and give willingly and make sure I open my pockets up. Every time there's a need, I give regularly to the church, but I also give regularly to the individuals and situations so that I am continually a person that is giving of myself and giving of my finances because the Bible, Jesus did say where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so you want to invest continually in what God's doing. And that, that, that includes several ways. And it's not just giving to the church. It's giving of yourself. It's giving of your resources and your money to those who are in need. It's of giving to people who are in struggles and difficulties. It's to giving to situations and to ministries that are out there doing God's work. It is a lifestyle of giving of yourself. It's a lifestyle of taking up your cross and following him. And it's not a legalistic thing. And for Jacob, what he's trying to do is he's trying to say, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have this deal with you. You're going to take care of me. You're going to feed me. You're going to clothe me. You're going to bring me back home. I'm going to give you a tenth of my offering, and then you're going to be my God. And if you do your part, I'm going to give you a little bit of what I've got, and we're all going to be good to go together. And really, that's not how it works. It just isn't the way it works, and I pray that you'll see that. If you walk by some rules that you've made up with God, you'll usually fail because what you're trying to do is you're trying to make your own path in your own way. What you need to do is you need to see that everything you have and everything you are comes from Him, and your life is a sacrifice for Him. And his life was given as a sacrifice for you. And so there's a mutually, there's a mutual agreement that all life comes from him and we give our lives so that we might experience true life that's his. And I pray that you'll learn to do that. We're going to see that Jacob, he does struggle with this a little bit. He does. He struggles with this is supposed to work out and he struggles with how this is supposed to be for him. And God's going to bring him to a place where he realizes that he's really trying to walk in his own will and his own way rather than God's will and God's way. And knowing that and understanding that and seeing that ultimately will mature him and he will become of importance and he will take on 
the role that his dad and his granddad had before, but that's going to be a long path for him. And so I know that the path of life leads us in all kinds of directions, and we see all kinds of new and different things as we walk that path. I pray for you that you'll see him in his fullness and that you'll grow and that you'll see all the things that he has for you ultimately each and every day. I pray that I'll take place for you in every possible way, and that will be the course of your life because I know it's his will for your way, your life and your way. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.